Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. Pope Francis has just returned from his milestone trip to Iraq. Jerry joins us fresh off the trip to talk about how it went. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Hello from New Orleans, Jerry. Welcome back. Thank you, Colleen. Back from the sunshine of Iraq to the rain of Rome. Oh, no. (laughs) Whatever happened to our sunny Rome? I don't know. But it's great to be back. We're glad that you made it back safely. I know that there was a possibility you might have to quarantine in Baghdad if you if you tested positive for COVID, but it looks like you're back in Rome, so so we're all good. Yes, that wasn't our biggest concern. Uh, our biggest concern was on Sunday when we went down to the land that the Islamic State had controlled from 2014 to 2017. And uh, we knew that was the most dangerous part of the trip. And when we got back on the plane from Erbil that night, there was such a, an air of relief on the plane and joy that, you know, we we knew we'd come through. Yeah, Jerry, what was what was the security situation like for you? Well, I, I must really give the Iraqi government enormous credit for the protection they gave the Pope and us. But it was very heavy security. I, I, the hotel we were staying in, we had tanks around the armored cars all around the hotel. When we got off the bus to go into the hotel, uh, we had to put our bags down on the ground. The dogs came and sniffed at police dogs, and they wouldn't let us in until they had done all the checks. And we we felt secure. But the thing that struck me most, two things. One, when we went on the Saturday night to the Chaldean church, we went. I, I was one of a small group of people. We went across the city, right across the city to the church. There wasn't a soul on sight in the city. All the shops were closed. The only thing you saw was soldiers and guns. We got to the church. The church was surrounded by a concrete wall with barbed wire fencing. Mm. And on one side, I saw a side street and there must have been a hundred or more soldiers ready for action. There was armored cars around the church. And then there was overhead at least one helicopter, if not more. You know, I feel like for some people, seeing all of these armed people and these tanks and everything would be really scary. I think it would be really scary if I were to see it. Um, Did it make you feel safer or did it make you feel afraid? Well, no, no, I I felt very secure. But I asked some of the Iraqis, I said, is this all necessary? They said, on this visit, we cannot take chances. At the start of his three-day landmark trip, the Catholic leaders appealed for common ground among religious groups. He was speaking at a meeting between peoples of different faiths in the ancient city of Or. Uh, yes, indeed, they're seeing uh, this visit as something very important, something to give them hope after years and decades, really, of uh, persecution that has resulted in a significant decline in their numbers. This trip really happened at breakneck speed. 
Pope Francis celebrated Mass every day and met with a bunch of religious and government leaders from Iraq and from the semi-autonomous zone Kurdistan. We know we can't do justice to all of it, so we're going to focus in today's show on Pope Francis's two main goals for the trip encouraging Iraqis, particularly the shrinking Christian minority, and trying to mend the fractured relationships between Christians and Muslims. First off, to get a sense of how Iraq's Christians received the trip, we called up Rochelle Grew. She's the university student in Erbil who we heard from last week. She talked about how her family had to flee when ISIS invaded her hometown, the Christian city of Karakush. She went back to Karakush this weekend to see Pope Francis with her family. Actually, I went to two places to see him. It was not enough for just one place. <laughs> I went to, first to Karakosh. Uh, we were waiting him since 8 a.m. until he, when he came, it was uh, 12. Yeah, we were waiting in the street, uh, dancing, saying song, and very beautiful. I, I can send you a videos of this if you did not watch it like i miss his face very quickly because he moved from uh, his car and we we did not see him that much but really i just saw uh, him for the first time he was very very white and his face was like a jesus you know what do you mean it was like jesus He's very uh, beautiful man, really. He is, and I was crying when I see him. Yes, it was very emotional moment. And uh, then we went to the mass and to Arbil by bus in the stadium. Yeah, in the stadium after him. Rochelle said she and her family waited on the street in Karakosh for four hours, and while they waited, she said everyone was dancing and singing. I, I don't think I'll forget when we arrived into Karakosh, the people were packed along the streets, young and old, cheering, waving flags, dancing, happy. None and a priest I saw dancing on the street and all the people on the side move, moving with them. It was their moment of joy after a season that lasted many years, decades of nightmare. I spoke to several young people and each one said the same thing to me. We believe he can help to bring lasting peace to our country. Actually, he said so many words in each uh, town he went, in each city. For example, Mosul and Karakosh and Erbil. See, all, all, all these words are saying about the peace. And this is what we need. I feel that something good is going to happen, really. Uh, I don't know when, but I think it's going to happen. I'm sure from this. When I listen to Rochelle talk about the Pope's visit, I can't help but think about the cardinal virtues, faith, hope, and love. Rochelle and the young Iraqis that Jerry talked to got such a strong sense of hope from this visit. And that's so important in a place where so much of the population is young and where their whole lives have been lived amidst violence. Rochelle told me last time that we talked that she was having a hard time imagining if she had a future in Iraq. But now she said she feels like something good is going to happen. And when I was talking with Jerry about the Christians in Iraq, he said that he was bowled over by the strength of their faith. 
He described traveling to the Chaldean church in Baghdad that was surrounded by soldiers and helicopters and a huge concrete wall. I thought these people, they come to church and they risked their lives in these past years. And yet they came still coming to church. And the same when we went down to Karakosh, to the Christian village and see all these people there in a church which had been burned down by the Islamic State. And then the cloister had been used as a shooting range. And then all these people inside dressed in their wonderfully colored traditional dress. And the, the Pope, as a young woman said to me, she said, his visit is a message from God that we're not alone. That really struck me. strong sense of faith and of hope on this trip. And then there's love. Pope Francis's second goal in coming to Iraq was to help repair the divisions between Christians and Muslims. Their relationship has been fractured since the days of ISIS. That's the big challenge that the Christians have with the Muslims. Because when the ISIS came in to Karakosh and the zone around it, all that area to Mosul, the Christians left and immediately the Muslims took their, pla- their, their places, their, their houses, their properties. And now some of them, like Rochelle's family, are moving back. And how you rebuild the bonds of trust between people who were formerly neighbors and then who suddenly seem to be moving in at your expense when you're under threat. That's the big challenge. There's also a sense of suspicion, because when ISIS was defeated, many of the militants went into hiding. And Rochelle is worried about the possibility of them coming back. That makes it hard to trust people outside her community. On Pope Francis' trip, he tried to remind Muslims, Christians, and Jews of their shared history, that all of our religions are descended from Abraham. The Pope traveled to Ur, which is the birthplace of Abraham, in southern Iraq, for an interreligious prayer service. There, he said, From this place where faith was born, from the land of our father Abraham, let us affirm that God is merciful and that the greatest blasphemy is to profane his name by hating our brothers and sisters. The Pope arrived and in the little narrow streets there were many, many people waving to him. They were Muslims. They were waving and applauding him. And then he went in this very little narrow street and into the house. But when he arrived, the first thing they had, the son of the Ayatollah came to meet him and they released doves. There was a whole release of doves. And this apparently is a maximum respect for a man of peace. And then he went in this narrow, had to bow his head to get under the door because it's a very low little door in a humble house. And he went in and the Ayatollah, who's now 90 years old and who for the last 10 years has refused to meet politicians or cultural people, anybody, because he he didn't want to be exploited by anybody. Even then, when he received people, he would always remain seated. When the Pope came in, he stood up. And there's a wonderful picture of the two of them holding hands. There's a tiny little video of this, and it, it really is touching. Yeah, right away after the the visit, as soon as the picture came out of of them sitting together, I saw 
people were putting it side by side with an icon of St. Francis meeting with the, the Sultan in the 14th century. And if we had talked before about how this meeting was itself going to be the message, right? Just seeing them together was going to be more important than than anything that was said in the meeting. You know, we we did get statements about what they discussed. We saw that both of them said that they were very pleased with how the visit went. Francis uh, thanked the Ayatollah for speaking up for vulnerable people in Iraq and talked about the importance of collaboration. The Ayatollah's people put out a statement talking about the topics they covered. So he said they talked about injustice, oppression, persecution, and then the role that their religious leaders and communities have in in curbing those. But I, I want to return to that question of the message that the picture of them together sent. You know, you were you were on the ground. You were seeing what they were saying about this on TV. Um, what what was the general response? I guess from Muslims and and also from Christians. How was how was the image received? I mean, the meeting was the message. When we got into Iraq at the beginning into Baghdad, the first thing we saw was pictures. They had a picture of the Pope and the picture of the Ayatollah Sistani all over the place. They were already, had been built up in their minds, this thing. And when it happened, it went straight immediately. The photo went immediately on the television screens before any of us had seen an actual photo. They'd got a photo immediately. And, you know, Colleen, the ordinary man and woman on the street will not remember things that are said. What goes in deep in their mind is the picture, the image. And there's the image of the head of the Catholic Church, and for Muslims, the the leader of Christianity, meeting what the man that the majority of Muslims in Iraq and in, in other countries and also in many parts of the world considered the most revered figure. I mean, and the two of them, being together, sitting at that table we saw in the in the photo, sitting at that simple table, you could see they had connected with each other. And the Pope on the plane, he described this, and he said, he is a man of God. He's a light, a luminary. He's a man who's committed. It really, he said, these are the saints next door. I mean, uh, imagine, Colleen, I ask our li- listeners to, to think, when have we ever heard a Pope talk about head of another religion as a holy man, a man of God, and making him equivalent to a saint? This is the maximum tribute the Pope can give to anybody. I, I think the Pope and the and the Ayatollah have sown a seed that we will see blossom in coming years. Pope Francis's meeting with the Ayatollah went almost twice as long as it was scheduled for. Immediately afterwards, the Iraqi government declared a national holiday. Every year on March 6th, they'll remember this visit between the Pope and the Grand Ayatollah. So, everything went well on the Pope's trip. He delivered a strong message of peace and gave hope to Iraq's Christians. He began building an important relationship with a top Shia leader that Jerry believes will continue to grow. And he really helped Iraq prove to the world that they could come together to pull something big like this off without any violence or attacks. And maybe that helped prove to young Iraqis like Rochelle that she could have a future in her country. They can be a rich country. They have so much oil, the fifth reserves in the world for oil. 
they can be a rich country. And he believes that they have just, he says, you've got to come together, work together. Christians, Muslims, everybody in the country working together. You have a future. That was his message to them. Many Christians and Muslims said to me, we believe he will help to bring peace to our country. And that means peace means a future. There is one place where this could still go wrong, and that's the COVID numbers. There were a lot of people gathered close together without masks, including Rochelle. She said she was so caught up in the joy of the moment that she didn't really think of wearing one. One of the American reporters on the trip, Chico Harlan from the Washington Post, wrote about the whiplash of going from strict lockdown in Italy to the really loose restrictions in Iraq. He asked the Pope about it on the plane. Do you worry that the people who came to see you could also get sick or even, or even die? Come ho detto recentemente, i viaggi si cucinano nel tempo, nella mia coscienza. The Pope was, as he said on the plane, he said, I was conscious of the risks and it made me hesitate. But he said, I prayed to God and I prayed a lot and I took counsel. And the Iraqi government was also encouraging him to come. So they were reading the situation on their own territory and they were saying, it's okay, you come. And so he said, I prayed to God and I felt within myself, I took the decision freely that I will go. And he said, God will take care of the people. And the message of Francis is that COVID is not the only major problem in the world, nor indeed in this country. But he also made clear we mustn't be paralyzed. There are other big problems which are causing death to people, which are making people despair, which are creating violence. So, Jerry, we've talked about the many risks. We've talked about the reception of Pope Francis in the country by Christians, by Muslims, by Iraqis as a whole. And I want to return us now to to those two goals that we talked about at the beginning, encouraging Iraqis, especially Christians, and building bridges with Muslims. And I just want to ask you straight up, you know, do you think that the trip achieved those goals? I have no doubt. From what I've seen, what I've heard from people on the ground there, he was really a welcome visitor. And as I quoted that young woman, 24-year-old engineer from Karakosh, she said, he is a message from God to our people that you are not alone. And she and many others I spoke to said, we believe he will help to bring peace to our country. And that's the desire of the nation, not just of a part. Well, Jerry, we're so glad first to have you back safely, but also that, that you were able to, to go see all of this firsthand and, and tell us a bit about that experience. I really appreciate getting the chance to talk to you about it. Well, Colleen, I, I must say I wish to thank so many people around the world in the United States, but from many parts of the world who prayed and prayed so much for the, that the safety and the success of this visit. And I, I think uh, we're people who believe in the power of prayer and the power of faith, and I think we're seeing the fruits of that. All right, Jerry, and we will talk with you next week. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. 
production assistance from Robert Balasser at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americanmagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also email us your comments and questions at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. And if you want to support our show, the best way to do that is by subscribing to America Magazine. You can do that at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. Thanks. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.